Welcome to the Community Podcast, brought to you by the Community Paper. Since 1989, the Community Paper has been sharing good news happening in downtown Orlando and College Park. Your hosts for the show are Orlando native and the paper's publisher, Debbie Gunter, and Orlando transplant and managing editor, Tommy Cardinal. All right, welcome back to the Community Podcast. I'm Debbie Gunter. Um, unfortunately, Tommy can't be with us today. He's homesick, so another member of the community paper team is filling in for him, Logan Lamphere. Thanks for coming back, Logan. Yeah, it's great to be back. Sorry for Tommy. Hopefully he gets better soon, but uh, this is my second time. I, I feel like a pro now. I mean, You sound like a pro. You know, Nick can probably just go home. We can run this ourselves. Well, actually, we are in Nick's you're, home You're in my home. Already, this is my, so. my home slash recording studio slash dance studio slash i do a lot of interpretive <laughs> dance here <laughs> yeah we need him for the editing part though i don't know how to do all that and that's no, very very no. important yes um so speaking of nick our producer nick is with us today and he actually um is writes for us as well um covering college park and he got to talk to the edgewater high school football coach today cameron duke about their incredible season this year. And so we're excited to share that with you toward the end of the podcast. Uh, it was a great interview. They're having an amazing season and I can't wait for you guys to hear some of the stuff he had to say about their win streak, some of the students that he's so proud of and uh, having a baby during a football game or right after a football game. During the game. They wow. did, they did yeah. let her go to the hospital. Oh, right? Yes. Okay, yes, good. <laughs> you also Exciting. met someone else pretty cool recently. We wrote about him in the paper. He just became the second poet laureate for Orlando, Sean Welcome. I got to see him perform at Pachacacha Orlando. The 30th version of that was this uh, was in early October, and it was excellent. I'll post a link to the video of him performing there uh, fairly soon once it's up. Oh, great. Yeah. And we wrote a little bit about that in the community paper. We're so happy to see him get there. He's been doing this for years here in Central Florida. He's been hosting an open mic night and has been recognized in a lot of other areas for the poetry and the community service uh, activities that he does. So it's really nice to see this kind of recognition for him. That's Very great. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to hear about how Edgewater did uh, in football here. And, and in South Downtown, another high school, Boone, uh, has some football news. Not quite as, as happy. It's, it's rather sad. Uh, their longtime team physician, Dr. Norton Baker, passed away this se September. But it really isn't too sad. This is really a celebration. This, this doctor who was the team uh, physician for 37 years, uh, died at the age of 92. And personally, I actually love writing about and reading obituaries of a, a person who had a life well lived. Uh, he had gone to school in Alabama and was a big supporter of the University of Alabama and helped a lot of Boone players go on to play college football at the University of Alabama. But uh, he was he was friends with Coach Bear Bryant, one of the legends of Alabama, yeah. and uh, received an honorary uh, membership there as honorary assistant coach 
which that's Aww, pretty that's cool, neat. I think. That's very cool. And then here at Boone High School, they had named the stadium after him. So I know he's going to be uh, really missed by the Boone High School community. But uh, looking through his obituary, which we wrote about, it's just amazing all the things that he had done. He had been the uh, chief at the uh, or ORMC today, Orlando Health. And um, so had a big career, uh, had a big uh, involvement in the community, uh, just a lot of wonderful things that he did. So I'm sure those folks down there will, will miss him, and, uh, but what a tribute to his long-lived life. What a great guy. You know, just even hitting 92 is, that's pretty, a pretty big achievement yeah, alone. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the things I don't like to write about, though, is when you have to write an obituary for someone who passed away uh, too too soon, and that's what happened, of course, five years ago at the Pulse nightclub, where many young people had lost their lives at too young of an age. They were just starting their careers, they were just starting their education, and of course, we celebrated the fifth anniversary of that this summer. But in recognition of that. Um, Jennifer Lopez and Lin-Manuel Miranda re-released uh, their, their charity single, Love Makes the World Go Round. And uh, so all the proceeds of that then go back to the One Pulse Foundation, which is based in South Downtown as well. What's going on with the Pulse Foundation, the One Pulse Foundation? What are they doing? Can you share that? Yeah, it's been exciting following them because the the organization is really maturing and they've started awarding scholarships in addition to all the fundraising, of course, that they've done. The area has been declared a national historic site, which is just huge. And we wrote about that a few months ago. The, the only other LGBT site was the Stonewall Bar in, uh, in um, New York City. And uh, they're doing all kinds of things. They've got the plans together for the new museum that's going to be going up near the site. Mm -hmm. There'll be a whole memorial walkway and park area. Um, in addition to all of the, you know, scholarships and, and uh, publicity and whatnot that they're putting out there to make sure that we don't forget mm -hmm. about that event. And it'll be a place that we'll be able to learn about that event in the future. And when people come to Orlando, that'll probably be one of the stops they make is at the National uh, Pulse Memorial. Mm -hmm. Another um, place that people would surely like to visit if they came here. And, and if you haven't gone, you should. Um, the Holocaust Museum is located in Maitland right now. And um, before too long, they're going to be moving to their new facility that's right on the shores of Lake Ivanhoe. Right. And Tommy Cardinal got to interview Tony Tarosi. She's on the board there and a big part of um, the mission of you know, sharing the stories of the the Holocaust survivors and her, in fact, her grandmother-in-law is one of the few remaining Holocaust survivors. Wow. And so she's been back to Germany with her and oh, wow. visited Auschwitz. And um, uh, she talks about in, in her interview about visiting a Jewish cemetery. And sadly, there's still parts of roads there that are paved with crushed tombstones oh, that during the Nazi occupation, they would, they would 
break those up and um, just heartbreaking stuff. Mm. And, you know, she actually experienced something recently. I know we're, we normally talk about good news, but I just, I have to share this because I can't believe this stuff still goes on. Her child attends the um, JCC, in, which is a Jewish community center. They have a daycare mm-hmm. there and a little school. And um, not that long ago, there were protesters, anti Semites out front with posters that just said horrible things. Mm. And they were, the school called the parents and said, please don't come to pick up your children now. And it's like, wait, what? Wow. That's still, is still happening. Wow. Um, so she's just determined to, you know, keep getting the word out. Like you were saying about Pulse, like we just, you just want people to forget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes we just kind of go about our daily lives and we forget about all that. Um, happened up to this point now where we're living in such a different time of freedom. And her um, grandmother-in-law wrote a book called Sarah's Children. And it's, I can't wait to read it. It sounds amazing, kind of telling her whole story. And you can get that at sarahschildren.com. So if anyone likes reading um, history and particularly World War II history, I would highly suggest getting that book because it sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, we're so lucky to get to, to meet people like Tori who, um, they're just doing so much good in our town. Yeah. Well, that's great. And it, it, things like these museums or memorials, they are important for us to learn about the past. And especially as that past becomes more and more distant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even though something like pulse was, you know, just yesterday for some of us, uh, there'll be a time when it'll be a hundred years later and folks will be like, did people really, were they really like that? Or right. did that even really happen? Uh, you know, Europe was a very civilized, prosperous place back in the 1940s. And yet, uh, you know, they had the worst war in world history and the atrocities of the Holocaust were happening. And it, it, it truly happened. I've visited some of those places, too. And for those of us who can't go all the way over to Germany or Poland, uh, never get that chance. We've got an opportunity to learn about that right here at our own Holocaust Museum. And, yeah, it's going to be the new facility it looks like it'll be very interesting, a cool building. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in the old Chamber of Commerce building right on the shores of Lake Ivanhoe. So right at the top of downtown proper, right next to Ivanhoe Village. So I yeah. think that'll become a large attraction I um, do too. for people to come and learn and take part in remembrances and activities. And But it's um, going to be a lot bigger, too, than their current location. Yes. So they'll be yes. even able to share even more so. Yeah. One thing I didn't realize this, but it's one of of only a few places in the world that houses a number of digital records and interviews and stories with people who lived through the Holocaust. Interesting. So over 55,000 of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So to your point about like, you know, years from now when we don't have these resources around in person, Mm -hmm. we'll still have a lot of these resources. Will you almost be able to interact with somebody telling their story of what they went through so that it's still very much a, you know, much more visceral and personal experience than just reading it on a wall or something along those lines. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, some exciting news also happening at uh, Lake Ivanhoe just this month, uh, a big wakeboarding 
competition took place a little more <laughs> upbeat here and it was the 2021 red bull double or nothing tournament and there were people from all over the world who came to lake ivanhoe right here in downtown orlando to compete in this big wakeboarding competition and the first prize was a ten thousand dollar Purse. Oh, wow. And oh, that, I should have competed. Right? Exactly. I can't wakeboard, but I should have. Well, you know, I mean, hey, $10,000 is, is great, great money. And it was won by a guy from Italy, actually. His name was Massi Piparetti. And I think you have to say that with your hands. Yeah, we doesn't that come through quite on the podcast. You can get it. I, I, maybe I need to do that with your name, the Greek, you know, Nicholas Giorgio Godio. Yeah, did, no, that didn't did, help. No, oh, no, okay. nor did you pronounce it correctly. Oh, okay, so no hands, I guess. In no hands. Greek. All right, no, I have just to, have some olives there. and some feta. There we go. Yeah, all right, I like that. Isn't too. it amazing that a world championship would be held on Lake Ivanhoe? I don't know why. It just Lake Ivanhoe to me seems small and well. That's actually, so cool. it's got history. Uh, this event actually began at Lake Ivanhoe uh, back in the year 2000. Okay. And oh. it was started by a famous wakeboarder, and um, his name was uh, Parks um, Bonifay. Bonifay, I'm sorry, I don't know. If Parks, we're sorry. I know you're listening. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, he's, he's said that, you know, Central Florida is probably the world capital of wakeboarding because we have not only lots of little lakes, obviously, but they're calm water, mm -hmm. still water. And apparently that's very good for wakeboarding. And obviously there's lots of water skiing as yep. well that takes place in the area. And there were several local Orlandoans that were part of the competition. The uh, winning move was called a KGB 540 with a Japan grab. <laughs> wow that's no one idea. of my favorite moves oh yes yeah, yeah. You, i see I you doing it out in your backyard all the time all I the practice. time practice 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 <laughs> okay that i would like to see okay. we'll get video of that for sure awesome so world-class stuff is happening all around us and in fact nick wrote about an exciting award that was given to one of our local restaurants yeah, I, I really like this type of award because it takes into account like uh, customer reviews. So it's a site called Open Table where you can make reservations. And if you make reservations on there, you can also leave a review of the restaurants. So what they did was they tried to figure out like, look at the 100 best uh, restaurants they consider neighborhood gems. And the tap room at Dubstred was one of them. It was one of nine restaurants in the Sunshine State. It was the only cool. one in Central Florida wow. to make that list. So out of 100, and it was just in the U.S., so out of 100 in the U.S., it was uh, really, uh, you know, a really compelling list to make. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, Debbie, do you, have you ever been to the tap room? Do you know anyone? <laughs> Is this where I there? give the full disclosure? <laughs> My husband owns the tap room, but um, still, that's such an amazing award. Yeah. Though. It is, and you know what? He would tell you um, that he gives all the credit to his team, his management mm -hmm. team. They're amazing. They work so hard, and they have such high standards, and um, really stick to it, and and it really shows. So he's you know, super proud of them, and especially during this day and age where it's it's hard to find uh, help at a lot of these uh, restaurants. It, you know, it, it makes a huge difference yeah. when you have a manager or owner that really appreciates their team, and I'm sure he has 
you know, a, a great team that he can keep together because of yeah. that. Yeah, and he, he's super big on promoting from within. So great. all of his managers, they all started as a server and it's been a great um, journey for them. And, and they're all proud. They have they take ownership in it. So it's pretty cool to see. You know, another place that might become a world class source of food in the College Park neighborhood is the new uh, farm going in at the Packing District. You, did yes. you write about that? Um, so, no, I didn't, but I'm super excited about it because I love farmers markets. And the farmers market that is going to be right now, it's in a temporary location on the corner of 441 uh, um, in Princeton, but it will be moving to the Four Roots farm area of the packing district that will be its permanent home um but for now it's in a temporary spot right there but it it's going to be incredible they they are um bringing in local farmers i I hate to say but some farmers markets they don't always have local produce with you know (laughs) or or a lot of produce or, (laughs) or a lot of produce but yeah so they're bringing in you know produce from real local farmers. And another really cool thing about this farmer's market is um, folks can use their SNAP, their government assistance. So they accept SNAP and EBT. And um, I just think that's amazing because that you were talking about this earlier about that part of town is called a food Desert. Desert, right? Yeah, when you when you go further west beyond uh, Fort Forty One, there just aren't a lot of good grocery stores there, mm-hmm. and so it's difficult, especially for lower income people, to get good quality food. And so this has enormous potential over there in the packing distant the district to bring together folks to offer this source of fresh local produce, uh, and it can be purchased with the the SNAP program funds. It's so exciting. Yeah, if you want to learn more about that and also everything that's going on in the packing district, Tommy wrote a really good story kind of summing up he uh, did. all of the things. Yeah, it's the cover of this month's yeah. paper, actually, Unpacking and, the Packing uh, District. They also got a $5 million grant from Dr. Phillips Charities wow. to mm-hmm. finish it out. So a lot of people, a lot of groups are really seeing the potential in the entire packing district, but also this Four Roots Farm Campus that they're building out there. Yeah, it's super exciting. Um, And other exciting news in College Park, gosh, the Edgewater High School football team has just been killing it. And I got to tell you, you you may not know this, um, Nick and Logan, but it wasn't that long ago that, oh, poor Edgewater, (laughs) year after year after year, they just couldn't get it together and they went through several coaches and mm. oh it just broke my heart every every year but now um Cameron Duke has just brought new life into this program and um he you know he does amazing things with these kids not only just you know teaching them and coaching them on football but just about being a man and mm-hmm. um he he cares so much about them and their studies and just who they are as human beings. And um, yeah, I can't wait to hear your interview with him, Nick. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll hear that. Great. One of the premier events of the College Park Community Jazz Fest is coming back this year, Saturday, November 13th from 5 to 11 p.m. If you're not familiar with the event, it happens along Edgewater Drive. The street is closed down and there are a number of vendors, both local shops, food vendors, And then, of course, live music, 12 bands total performing on three stages along Edgewater Drive. Get your tickets early. They are $10 before the event and $15 at the gate. For more information, visit collegeparkmainstreet.com or 
go to Facebook and search for College Park Jazz Fest. And we're back. Even if you don't follow high school football, you might like what's going on at Edgewater High School. The football team has been doing very well this year. They are 6-1, and one, and I think head coach Cameron Duke would agree with me on this. It's kind of an unexpected season with a lot of things going on. They've had everything from lightning delays to a four-hour quadruple overtime game against Jones, which they won, to having to play without their head coach because of the birth of his first child. Well, we we didn't kind of we didn't know what to expect. We knew we had a young team, but we we were really excited about having an off season that we didn't get a chance to really have in 2020, just like every high school football team. Yeah. Uh, due to the pandemic, so uh, we had a great summer. Um, we had to take a little bit of break right at the beginning of a uh, fall camp, which is the first uh, two weeks of of uh, the season due to due to some uh, concerns with COVID. But we were able to get back. Um, after that, and then uh, if yeah, if you would have told me we were six and one after seven games with the schedule that we've had, we would have been ecstatic. But uh, you know, it's really a testament to our to our senior leadership and to our players and to uh, our staff as well. So I think uh, after coaching at Lake Highland, I know you had you struggled a couple of seasons there, and then you turned it around there. Did uh, doing that and then coming to Edgewater after an almost winless year, the year prior to you starting, did that help prepare you for getting through? What was a, a really difficult 2020? Yeah, you know, when, when I took over at Lake Highland in 2014, the, the, they, were, they hadn't won a whole lot a couple of years prior. And that first year, we only won one game. And, uh, but, I, you know, I, I think about that year, and, and you learn so much and, you know, have so much uh, respect for those players that stuck it out and battled that first year. And then in 2015 and 2016, um, we were able to get it going, won, won six games and won seven games. Um, those last two years that I was at Lake Highland, then coming over here in 2017, um, they hadn't won. A, you know, Edgewater was was winless the year before yeah. in 2016. So um, that first group will always hold a special place in my heart to to get the program to, to nine wins and win a district championship. And then, then you know we kind of been able to build off each year. But uh, I think yeah, each each year you know you learn a, a, a ton. Um, you grow as a coach and. Um, you know, but those relationships that you have with those players, no matter the, the record is always so special. But yeah, you learn things to do uh, well, and you also learn from your mistakes and say, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. And so I think each year as a coach, as a head coach, it's, um, I'm, I'm hopefully, hopefully continuing to grow. Uh, one of the things that you do besides develop students as athletes uh, is really develop them into young men. So I was reading about uh, C.J. Baxter had such a great game. I mean, he was just insanely well on the mm. field. Uh, but in the quote you had about him, you not only mentioned him as an athlete, as, a, you know, an incredible person, but also you admired the, the young man that he was turning into, I think is what you said. Can you talk a little bit about that, how important that is to you? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we've had so many great football players, but what gets me more excited, I know my staff and the people that are, you know, invested in our program are seeing uh, our young people become uh, better men and better women because we do have a, a girl in our program. We're looking to hopefully develop um, that young person into who they who we feel they're called to be and, and being excellent and striving for excellence in, in all aspects, not just football, but in the classroom, at home, in the community, understanding that this life is bigger than themselves and learning, you know, it's really about serving others. And so, you know, we've had so many great players come to the program that have uh, really adopted the culture of, of what we stand for as a program. And C.J. Baxter is definitely one of those young men. He's very talented on the field. But, you know, here he is as a 3.7 GPA. Um, he's the guy that's always looking to um, help 
help others and and and, and guy who's a, who's a guy's all about service and he cares more about his teammates than he does himself and um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we that's what we're hoping to build are great young people through our football program. And CJ Baxter is one that is that is doing that. Nice. Uh, I got to talk about the one loss this year. Mm-hmm. So Venice, you didn't get to go. Right. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> September 4th. What was it like? OK, so September 4th. I don't know exactly what the backstory was, but I know uh, your wife went into labor that day. It was a Friday uh, your child comes into the world on a Friday night, right? Right. Which is hilarious yeah, on some level in the, during the football season. What was, what happened that day? If you don't mind sharing, of no, course. And what was it like sort of that, you know, you get to greet your first child, but then you're also not with your team, <laughs> you know? So, uh, my wife, uh, wasn't due actually to the Apopka week. So she was actually a month early. Oh, wow. Um, so she was right at, um, at 36 weeks and uh, some stuff happened for us to that made us to get into the hospital the Tuesday that Tuesday of the Venice week so I was at practice Monday Tuesday we go into the hospital we do some tests we get sent home uh, but we were told if a couple things happened that we would need to come back so uh, Wednesday morning those things took place so we needed to get back to the hospital Wednesday morning so we're in the hospital Wednesday morning and then that's when the doctor told us that we're they were going to go ahead and try to start the process of getting this baby delivered and uh, you know, I looked at the doctor and I asked her, I said, so what are the chances of me being on that bus with my football team heading down to Venice? And she said, uh, 0% chance. So you need to let them know now. And I said, okay, I let my staff know, but I I was able to be at practice Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday of that week, because, um, you know, we, we are a firm believer, you know, uh, we have priorities and, and our family will always become come before football and it was a chance for me to get to demonstrate that to my my team mm-hmm. you know that you know my, my personal life it's faith family and football and here's a here's a way to really live it out and for my guys to see it and so I wasn't able to be with them uh, the week of practice and then you know it was a long process um, uh, in the hospital with my wife and, and our baby and uh, yeah the, her water broke officially Friday morning and the baby didn't the baby was uh, Campbell Rose is her name. She was born at 10.04 p.m. Friday night. Yeah. And so it was a long process, and, you know, uh, it wasn't a chance for me to be with my team, but it, this was this took precedent, and they knew that. And, uh, yeah, and in fact, I, I joke around that our little girl was actually born after the Venice game. She wasn't born during that game, so currently as an Eagle, she's undefeated. Perfect. It, yeah, so we joke around about that for sure. But, um, you know, it was it was, it was was the right thing and the best thing for me to be with my wife and little girl during that time and and what a sweet sweet time it was and then you know we did go down to venice and my staff did a great job and we played probably one of the best teams in the country um and uh, and we took a loss and i think it was really really good for us i was able to get back with the team on monday and that following week we're able to really challenge them and build off that loss and you know we wanted to play a tough schedule and then i was so proud of our team because how they responded that following week to go and play a great jones high school team and and, and go into four overtimes and win the football game yeah. coming off a tough loss the week before really showed the character of our program that's great and 15 16 years from now your daughter is going to play what position oh well we have we have bailey stokes is one of our kickers and she's exceptional on our team and uh you know i don't know what she's going to want to do but uh <laughs> i have a feeling she will be around the game of football quite a bit more than likely uh i wanted to ask coach of the year in 2019 what is uh, that means a lot i would imagine but uh, what is something that would mean a lot to you personally and professionally to sort of earn as a coach 
Well, I think any accolades that we get, and it, it could be a, a coach of the year honor, it can be a player of the year honor, it can be different players selected, different all-star games or different, you know, uh, teams that you, that, you know, players can be awarded to. There's so many different accolades that are out there, but really what it is is, um, I've always said what made, makes Edgewater special in our football program and the school special is that how many people have rallied to support it. It is really a village. Uh, people ask me all the time, how has Edgewater been able to be successful the last five years? I said, there are, I, you, got, you got 30 minutes because it really is a village. It's, it's school administration. It's people in this College Park community like yourself and like y'all's paper and uh, different mentors and different family members and, and, of course, the coaches and players and our athletic director. I mean, our band director, our cheer group. Um, there's been so many people that have wrapped their arms around our program to have made it successful. It's not just one person, one player, or one coach. It's really a collective effort, and that's what makes it so sweet. And that's what College Park is all about, you know, really a community. And a community has wrapped their arms around this football program and been able to, to build not just on the field but in the classroom and off the field as well. Um, you know, if you're going to compete, I've always said as a coach, you know, if you're going to play the game and there's a scoreboard, then you're going to try to win every game. And, yeah. you know, you're going to always try to compete for a state championship. We haven't had one at Edgewater High School, and we'd love to bring one back to this, this community. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's not our end goal. That is a goal, of course, because as competitors and as a football program, we are striving to be the best we can. And, and, and there's championships on the line. We want to win them. Um, but what's going to matter the most for 20 years down the road, hopefully the players that have come through our program are back in this community or back wherever they are, and they go, man, lessons that we have learned have helped shape who I am today to be a better young, be a better man or a better woman um, because of lessons from, you know, the coaches, the teachers, the, the, the family members, the mentors that have invested in their lives while they were here. We always said, say that we'll know we have a successful football program about 20 years down the road when hopefully our players come back and lessons that they've taken, um, that they've learned while with us, have really helped and benefit them as a, as a man or woman. At the time of this recording, the Edgewater Eagles have three games left, uh, Wakiva, Ridge Community, and then their big rivalry with Boone. Is that right? I yes, don't follow. Battle of the Barrel. Okay, so that's the big game in, uh, in early I'm... November. So we're yeah. going to see how they do. We wish them the best of luck. And it was just such a pleasure to talk with uh, Coach Duke and learn a little bit more about him and his family and everything else. We sure do love sharing good news and positive stories on the podcast, in our e-newsletter every week, and in our print edition on our website. We also love it when you reach out to us with story ideas. We um, are always looking for your feedback. In fact, right now you can go to yourcommunitypaper.com and hit the survey link right on the top of the homepage and fill out our reader survey. We've had hundreds of folks um, fill this out over the past couple of weeks, and it's been so exciting for us to to see you know what you like reading about, what you wish we were writing more about. Um, even learning, I, I didn't realize that more than 50% of our readers listen to podcasts, which made me super happy. I don't yeah. know why I thought that would be lower, but, um, podcasts are the thing. Podcasts, podcasts are, podcasts the are the all thing. the rage. Yeah. They apparently are. Says the podcast producer. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so we would love to hear from you. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, getting our e-newsletter online, reading the print edition or reading the news on our website. Um, just, you know, go fill that out. Just takes a few minutes and we'd love to know what you think and what you care about. And we will 
keep trying to bring you the best community paper we can. And Debbie, there's an incentive through the end of October yes. on that. Is that Everyone correct? who fills out the survey by October 29th will be entered to win one of three prizes, and they're good ones too. There's a $100 gift certificate to Infusion Tea nice. in the Vegetarian Restaurant College Park. There's a $100 gift certificate to Refresh Spa at Mosaic, which is on Virginia in Ivanhoe Village, and then a $100 gift certificate to the Tap Room. So Those yeah, are some great prizes. I'd say. So yeah, go fill it out and give us your email, and we will draw a winner on October 30th. Nice. Right in time for the holiday. Yes. The next day. Yes. And I think that's it for this episode. Of course, get the community paper. If you want a physical paper, if you need that artifact, you can find it all over the place in town. You can go to the website and find out where to pick it up. Uh, you can also subscribe to it on the website as well, or you can read it at yourcommunitypaper.com. Logan, thank you so much for coming back and being on the episode. Yes, yeah, this thank was fun. You. Yeah, Great it was a good to have time. you. We like having you here. Thank you for listening to the Community Podcast. Did you like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends and family to do the same. Stay up to date on the latest news from the Community Paper by visiting yourcommunitypaper.com and follow them on social media. The show is produced by Nick Giorgudio. Learn more about starting your own podcast by visiting orlandopodcasting.com. We like having you here. Thanks. Okay, great. <laughs> now you can get out of my house. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys.